Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 129 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host here with you, along with Mr. Archie Mitchell. What's up, everybody? Hello, hello, hello. And Aaron Maxson, my brother, is here with me, of course. Hello. How are we doing out there tonight, guys? It's been a while since we had an episode of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Yeah, along with us. Right. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I was getting replaced last week. Yeah, no. Cheating on us with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had another, another another wife watches wrestling episode last week with Kendall watching the Onita Terry Funk. Uh, and she did a great job. Barbed wire match. Job. I love to find stuff that she's never even seen in passing when I'm because you know she's ca- she casually looks up from her phone when I'm watching wrestling. Right. I like to watch those things that you know a non wrestling fan. <laughs> An impact like those of you that haven't listened yet, you should go back and listen to when I had her watch Bart Gun versus Butterbean from WrestleMania 15. Oh God. Watching Bart get knocked the fuck out, that was fun for her to watch. And then, of course, I've had her watch um, uh, the, the first one we did. I actually had her watch the uh, Helena Cell with Taker and Foley, and then right back to back after that, we watched Foley and Rock from Royal Rumble 1990. Oh, you showed her, you showed her Foley just getting destroyed. Yeah, and the, the that and now she's seen it, seeing as it probably won't be on the WWE network on Peacock. Right. Yeah. right. Well, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. We were talking a little bit about that before we went on the air here about the migration over to Peacock and and the bumps in the road that are going on. It's distressing. It's a reason I'm glad I've kept all my DVDs and stuff over the years. I have I'm, my old I have my old DVD rips of uh Raw from 97, Raw from 98. So if I ever want to go back and watch that stuff, I might have to get my DVDs out. I don't know. I'm just how, happy. How, get... And also, how hypocritical is that network? Their title has cock in it. <laughs> NP. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, I've been making the joke with everybody. What does WWE and me after a, uh, uh, a late night of drinking have in common? And then they say what? And I go, Peacock. <laughs> like, we why choppy choppy. It, why do you call your network shit butt? Because that's what it is. <laughs> we choppy, we choppy choppy your peacock. Well, that's what yeah. they're doing. Definitely, yeah, they're taking that out. <laughs> well, on this week's show, 
we are going to be reviewing Smoky Mountain Wrestling Volunteer Slam from 1992 and doing a little musical conversation here on the show as well. Aaron had an idea. He told me the idea. I totally fucked it up in translation. So we have two completely different lists. Okay. But that's okay. But- at least you're going to get like a D plus for effort. I'm I'm getting a full F because I didn't even do it. I'm just on your guys' <laughs> coattails. <laughs> Mark me incomplete. <laughs> you well, you'll if, probably... we, if we if we ever wind up on Peacock, your full F will be uh, edited out. <laughs> yes, yeah, have that context. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Archie. Archie says yes. he has a rant for us, and uh, yes. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna probably piggyback on this too because I think I agree with what you're trying to say here. Um, if you guys will indulge me for a couple minutes, I don't rant about wrestling that much. I try to see the brighter side in the product as much as I can. Uh, I try to find good in everything that's going on, but I think that social media has become a cancer to the wrestling business. Yes, you need to promote the show. Yes, you need to promote when there's a signing and a a meet and greet. Yes, you need to promote when you do a -a Make-A-Wish kid or something good about, you know, outside of the wrestling business. But after Fastlane last week, uh, on Monday afternoon, I happened upon Alexa Bliss's Instagram. And after shooting fireballs out of her wrist and almost killing Randy Orton and bringing the Fiend back, she was out partying with her fiancé. And acting like, you know, nothing she did the night before was a part of kayfabe, you know. I see the same thing with Zelina Vega. She was fired because she wanted to be on Twitch. And I understand David Gold, one of our other admin and member of this show, have argued about this. She makes more on, on Twitch than she does on in her WWE contract. That's great. But she lost her job because she wanted to play video games all day. Mm-hmm. And in the same regard, you see women like... Bianca Belair and Shasha Banks arguing and fighting on SmackDown, but then they're sending each other love tweets on Twitter and, and Instagram and telling each other how great they are. KFAB died because of social media, because you see one thing and then another thing happens the next day on, on Instagram and fa- Facebook, and it's BS. I can't imagine that the night that Dusty Rhodes wore the, uh, the Terry Funk as an egg sucker shirt if the next day he would have been on Instagram going, Terry, by the way, baby, daddy loves you. I love you, I baby. I love you, Terry. I love you, baby. And Terry makes a mean barbecue, baby, I'll tell you. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, to just you're killing the business from the outside of it because all you're thinking about is yourself. Yes, you have adoring fans. Yes, you have people who want to see you on a daily basis. But at least let the storyline continue on your damn social media. Yeah, I you know? I am in agreement with you because I've said that for a long time about Bray Wyatt. Right. Um, Bray Wyatt, like the minute he started posting things about his fiance and stuff on social media, it's like it, it, it's a fine line because right. because you do you do obviously you want these people they we don't they don't owe us anything as far as they should have a personal life they oh, should yes. have they should have relationships they should have families. But like you said, if you're in a profession where you're, for the lack of a better term, pretending to be one thing on television and presenting yourself as a normal person on social media, I don't know. And 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 to that to that you could you know there 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 are ways you could get around that. Do it this way. Do it this way. Can I say what I was? Can I say? Yes. Yes. Go right ahead. Do it this way. When you like 
like when you have a Facebook profile, okay, you can make your Facebook profile um, private, um, private, or you can make it open. And and professional wrestlers are just like anybody else. They have friends. They want to show pictures of their kids. They want to show pictures of that they're like you know they're proud of their spouse. They're proud of like you know hey right. going on this vacation. Make it to where you're showing that to people that are already inside of the wrestling business, mm-hmm. right? Or have a have a professional one which is under your character, Alexa Bliss or or The Rock, but then have Dwayne Johnson for your friends and family. Mm-hmm. So that you could show off your, like Aaron said, oh, look at this new car I bought. Oh, look at the home I bought. Oh, look, we went out to dinner tonight. You got to see yeah. the baby. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? One of my favorite Seinfeld episodes. He's like, oh, my I God. See the baby? I don't want to so, see the baby. Or even Some, even like the baby thing, like that's that's different. Like Like Becky Lynch, like her character isn't supposed to be like, you know, some super being or whatever. But see, here's so, the thing, so if she wants to, so if she wants to post a picture of her baby to show the world. That's a different. That's a. But here's the a different thing. thing Becky you know? stayed off of Becky stayed off of uh, uh, social media for ninety percent of her pregnancy. The only time she went on was just well, before yeah. she had the baby. Yeah, no, so I'm just saying. She kept the character. Yeah, I'm just know? saying. There's different. There's right. If I was, you know. I, I'll never be a famous person or whatever. But if I was famous, I would have my my private and then i'd have my i'm going to promote myself it just Mm -hmm. there are lines that need to be blurred and then lies that should lines that shouldn't be blurred and it just seems to me that to everybody it's just oh no just go with it you know even with aew you've got cody rhodes one day being destroyed by shaquille o'neal and then the next day he's you know on social media going okay brandy and i are building the baby room and it's like shouldn't you be dead (laughs) You know, shouldn't you sell the pain of your meeting? Yeah, you know? yeah but Shaquille O'Neal evaporated into the ether and then was on yeah, what, what, NBA did, did, Live did, next did, week, did, the next did we day. Ever, did we ever get an explanation of why Shaquille O'Neal disappeared out of the ambulance? I don't think so. But that's no. AEW, though. That's AEW. They don't explain, they don't explain half the shit no, they do. No, no. It's, it's, How's he sneak away? <laughs> Nobody noticed him. Right. You missed Archie. a seven foot two guy walking out of an ambulance. Archie, I have to call you out on something though. What? You, you lied just at the be- upon. Yeah, you <laughs> lied at you lied at the beginning of your rant because no man has ever happened upon <laughs> Alexa Bliss's Instagram. <laughs> well no, I followed you actively her. I searched follow that her. shit out. No, Alexa I, I follow Bliss her. I Instagram. Follow Alexa it was just, it was just the way it was just the way you said it was funny. It was right. I happened like, upon. Oh, I was just scrolling and it was like, oh look, Alexa Bliss. No, no, I follow her. I like I just I just women. I just randomly find the pick the, the, the weekly post of Chanel West Coast. Like it just shows up. <laughs> Why the hell are you following Minkus from Boy Meets World? She's hot. You think Minkus from Boy Meets World is hot? I think Chanel West Coast is. <laughs> well then no, I'm just joking because there's a meme about that. That that's what happened to Minkus after he left Boy Meets World. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, there is there is definitely. I mean, the, the kayfabe thing, and and I won't keep harping on it. Um, I think you made the point very clear, Archie. But kayfabe is definitely dead, and oh and, yeah, and social media is a part of that. I mean, the internet itself is really what what did it, you know. Fast, fast, fast getting information, um, being able to get information so quickly, 
And getting insider, you know, before when you, if you were an insider, quote unquote, a smart fan, you had to seek out something like the wrestling observer or the pro wrestling torch. Like I did, I had to subscribe to it. Um, right. The, but at the, at the dawning of the internet, anybody, anybody can, how many freaking dirt sheet sites are there now? It's like Bill and Steve's garage dirt sheet. Here they are. They've got all their information that they stole from the observer or they took from pro wrestling. Oh, right. But they changed it just a bit. They, they, you know, just a little bit. There was yeah. a news story, Nate, on, on one of the websites I follow. And it meant, um, the WWE seems to think that Edge is growing older by the day. So I clicked on it. I'm like, what could this possibly mean? I mean, is he pulling a reverse Benjamin Buttons? Is he <laughs> is he gaining age? And all it said was, is, WWE thinks that Edge can't pull a full match at WrestleMania, so that's why they're adding Daniel Bryan. I'm that's I'm like that has nothing to do with the title said. <laughs> and you. <laughs> And 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 here's the crazy part. When you clicked on that, they got money. The sons of right, bitches. right. <laughs> We're in the wrong business. We are. We are. <laughs> however, however, our business is growing. For those yes, of you yes. listening, before we get into our next segment, uh, I announced it on the Facebook page, the Facebook group. Which, if you're not a member of that, what are you waiting for? But we are all very excited. As I don't think that I know of. There is a 24-7, 365 professional wrestling radio station out there. So we are going to go ahead and make one. We're going to have, it's going to be called WrestleNet Radio, 24-7, 365. Uh, It's like sports radio for wrestling fans. It is an internet radio station, um, which will be available on a web link and also on a mobile app for your phone. Um, not only will you get to hear uh, many, many episodes of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, Reliving the Extreme, That's Not Wrestling, all the shows we already do, we are going to develop lots and lots of new programming with different people. Mo- a lot of the guys you hear now, some other people I'm talking to about possibly being part of it. It's very exciting. Um, we're going to be doing live broadcasts, recorded broadcasts. Guys, I am really, I'm actually more, I, I love doing podcasts. You know, I, I obviously I do this for my love of wrestling and my love of radio. And I don't know whether I was more excited when I started this show or whether I'm more excited about this radio station deal. I'm very, very excited about this. I and, I am as well. Uh, I, I will make our fans uh, two promises. We will never break kayfabe <laughs> and we will not be sold to Peacock anywhere down the road. Nope. Um, and <laughs> unless, Nate, I, unless I get a really good offer. Oh, right. sorry. <laughs> Six figures or more. Um, Nate, I would like to just say something real quick. Um, next week is actually the one-year anniversary of me joining the Asylum and the We Can't Wrestle podcast as an admin mm-hmm. and becoming a part of this, this podcast. And I want to thank you, Aaron, um, Christian Wood, and Kyle Army for welcoming me so quickly into the family and allowing me to be a part of this with you guys. Oh, we so. love having you. Love having you. And so. and uh, only quality people, only quality people are allowed in this little inner right. circle. Right, no, Matt, and- Matt Cardone is not allowed. We're not allowing the major league <laughs> That's why you never hear, that's why you never hear Wood on here anymore. Only quality people are allowed on here. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Chris. We miss you, Chris. <laughs> 
Just kidding. Chris Chris wound up, folks, just so you know, people are like, damn, I never hear Chris Wood anymore. He wound up getting a job that totally conflicts with any time we ever record this show. That's why Chris hasn't been on the show in a long time. It's not that we don't want him here, and it's not that he doesn't want to be here. It's just he uh, he got a job that does not allow him to uh, record when we record. So anyway, but yes, Archie, we are happy to have you aboard and uh, I'm happy to have you on the ground floor of this thing that we are trying to build here uh, with the We Can't Wrestle and WrestleNet Radio and all this jazz going on. So I'm excited, guys. Excited. I am too. All right, Aaron, are you ready to put your uh... – uh, Now I'm excited for – okay, so here's the deal. Aaron, go ahead and explain. Okay. 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 So explain to the people what you were intending – for me and you and Archie to do, and then I'll tell everybody what I did. <laughs> well, but my intention was was to uh, bring a little humor to the situation, which um, I feel is something I'm obligated to do. Even though you guys are funny, I still try to bring the funny. And wanted to take random professional wrestlers and give them themes <laughs> that I thought were fucking hilarious <laughs> and some of these are kind of kind of brutal i'm just gonna say it like as i'm looking at my list I'm like, a couple of these are pretty stiff and i think it's fucking fun and when he said uh, i have some entrance themes i want to you know for wrestlers that i want to do on the show i'm like okay cool i'll do some too i didn't go comedic <laughs> i guess i misread his message I, I really, really thought really hard about who I think, you know, some like five people. Like, I took five people. I have 11. <laughs> well, we're going to, we'll do yours first anyway. The comedic aspect. Okay. Aaron's going to apply some comedic. You don't want to bounce back and forth? Just no, not on this one. Yeah. Okay. We're, on two, we're on two different planes <clears throat> on this one. Okay. So. All right. Am I going? Okay. 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 <laughs> um, the first there, there's only one modern product one in here, um, but the first one I'm gonna do is um, "Walk Idiot Walk" by <laughs> the Hives, and that I would give that theme to Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> <laughs> He's strutting. Uh, yeah, I'm picturing him strutting yeah, to the song. I'm picturing him just strut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, can, you guys can elaborate on any of these if you want. Okay, so <laughs> walk, think, idiot, think, walk, Brutus Beefcake. I think we elaborated with the strut. All right. Um, the next one is, and this is kind of a deep cut, and Archie, you might need this. I don't know if you guys are going to know this, but Brown Sugar, Vern Gagne. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. For people that don't know, the old uh, rumor is that uh, Vern Gagne like a black lady. <laughs> so. so one of the funniest movies ever in the history of ever is The Birdcage. Okay. Yes. The Birdcage is one of the funniest movies ever made. If you disagree, you're absolutely wrong. Um. And when Aaron says says that, I I, I think of the the guy, <laughs> this the the senator they're reporting the money's on, on the, the dresser chocolate. Yeah, the money's on the table <laughs> chocolate. 
I think <laughs> when the senator senator dies after sleeping with the African American prostitute. But uh, there you go. It's anyway. All right. All right. Next one is it's raining men. Pat Patterson. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Or the tag team of Pat Patterson and Jim Barnett. <laughs> but yes. They definitely they he definitely would have had to change his gimmick up for that song. <laughs> so nothing else on that. I would really didn't need much elaboration at all. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Um the next one. Um Short People by Randy Newman. And that's Kevin Sullivan's theme. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I picture him coming out in overalls and a striped T-shirt with like a big lollipop, like one of the lollipop kids from Wizard of Oz, and he's skipping? You know what I mean? Shot people, shot no people. reason, got, got no reason to live. Hogan, 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 <laughs> the Varsity Club. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't. A, I didn't want this to be an excuse for me to do my Kevin Sullivan. I'm sorry. It was good though. It was good. <laughs> Nobody right. said being short was gonna, be, gonna easy. be easy. Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> or anyway, sorry. Hogan. <laughs> you guys ready for the next one? Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> this one's this one's deep. Like this is a this is a deep. This one's stiff. I, it's the Guns N' Roses uh, song, I Used to Love Her, But I Had to Kill Her. And that's oh, Jimmy God. Snuka's theme. Oh, I thought you were going a different way. No, it's Jimmy Snuka. I pictured it being Benoit. No, Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> we're going to go back to my Sullivan. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? Jimmy Snooker was a murdering fucker, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Footloose. Mad Dog <laughs> Vachon. Oh, I, I was going to say Carrie Bonner. Yeah. <laughs> it works either way. It works either way, exactly. <laughs> it's actually funnier for Mad Dog, though, because of like his gimmick and everything. Right. Like, the right. upbeat song Footloose. I know. Everybody, like, see? It was a swerve. It was a <laughs> he, swerve. He wouldn't have been so mad coming to the ring. <laughs> he would have been real happy <laughs> and jovial. And speaking of a swerve, the next song is 1999, and that is Vince Rousseau's theme. Yep. There you go. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, bro, tonight we're going we're gonna to book it like it's 1999. <laughs> <laughs> New York rules, bro. New York bro, rules, bro. Ric Flair, bro, you've got to go out there and wear a raspberry beret. <laughs> it's amazing, bro. Hulk Hogan, you are going to get run over tonight by a by a by a, a little red Corvette. <laughs> and uh, hey, Dustin, you're seven. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is, I thought it was funny. funny. That was funny. This is. This is what it sounds like when Dusty cries. <laughs> we'll change that to dubs. <laughs> All right. Oh, this one, this one is a uh, one that's a. Uh, it's a guy that was brought up, and he's a folklore on another podcast. 
but I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast, listen to that podcast, and Nate, I think you're really going to like this one. You ready, buddy? I'm ready. It's The Great Pretender, and it's the theme song of The Hangman, Bruce Povance. (laughs) (laughs) Archie. Yes. I got to tell you why this is funny. There's this wrestler or supposed wrestler named Bruce Povance. Okay. Who at one at one point probably in some shitty independent wrestling promotion wrestled as the hangman. Okay. But this guy tells stories about how he wrestled, he slammed Andre the Giant. He wrestled Harley Race for the NWA championship. I think at one point he, he even said has, he was the NWA he champion. Said, yeah, he, he said he was a he was the NWA champion. Didn't he say he, he wrestled Anoki? Yes, he also had uh, what? What is it? Something about Hulk Hogan in the beach. I don't remember what the story is about him and Hulk Hogan on the beach. But this guy's totally full of shit. He just writes a book that claims that he did all these things, and that's why the Great Pretender. Pretender. Funny. And he also the, the like goal of this the goal of this guy is that he he's actually gone to like the Cauliflower Alley Club with actual professional wrestlers. <laughs> and like told these stories and shit, and they bought it. No, 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 no. Okay. absolutely not. <laughs> no. Full of shit. Okay. He didn't tell. He didn't tell it to Luthez. He told it to Bill Jez at the, uh, at the <laughs> salad bar. Uh-huh. But, yeah. All right. Damn. So, so you guys want another old school one or my one um, modern product one? You might as well. You might as well end it with the one modern product. So keep going old school here. All right. The next one is she's only seventeen, and that is the theme of Jerry Lawler. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That works too well. I really want to end with my modern. Pro- I really want to end with my old school one because it's fucking great. You do it uh, however you want to do right. it, bro. So bro. the modern product one is a Land of Confusion by Phil Collins. <laughs> And that is the AEW theme. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey, Tony Khan is spending money for bullshit songs for his wrestlers. Might as well get a good one. Because <laughs> when I, I like watch it. that shit, I have no fucking idea. Nope. <laughs> you, you, Aaron, when you watch it, do you ever rewind thinking, what did I miss? You miss no, I usually fast forward it. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I know, but do you ever get to like a point where like something's going on? Like, what did I miss ten minutes ago? And then you're like, nothing, there nothing, was nothing, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> there was nothing. So you guys ready for the last one? Yes. yes. All right. It's uh, I want to rock, and that's Jake Roberts' theme. <laughs> oh my god! I want to rock. 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 <laughs> You know, I was like 14 when Beyond the Mad came out, and my brother and I went and saw it. And the thing that makes it, because that was not a funny movie. There was nothing funny about that movie. And when the promoter says, and Jake straight up told us if we didn't get him some crack, he wasn't going to wrestle tonight. And then never says anything else. My brother and I busted out laughing at that movie theater because we kept thinking, well, did he get him the crack or not? Because he doesn't tell you if he got him the drugs or not. (laughs) Jake said if he didn't have any crack he wasn't going on and then it it was over there's so so many fun 
not funny, but funny, not funny, but funny, funny, not funny, candid moments in that movie. Like when yeah. Jake just, Jake just walks past uh, Greg Valentine pissing in a bucket. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> and he's talking and he's like making this poetic thing. And then he looks down at his jacket and he's like, what is this? Some kind of chocolate or something? <laughs> or when, uh, when fat ass Roland Alexander's like talking to that dude about, uh, you gotta, you gotta know how to read nutritional labels and right. be in shape. And that right. guy looks at the camera like, really? <laughs> what, you're gonna tell me what I should should be? <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to end on I want to rock because that's like the it. thing that like popped in, like when it popped into my head. I was at a bar and that song came on. I was like, oh, that's a great time for Jake Roberts. <laughs> A good list. A good list. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So my yours. Now's my not funny list. Um, (laughs) I picked five songs that I think would be would be or would have been (laughs) great theme songs for certain wrestlers, as opposed to the theme song they had, or in addition to the theme song they had. The first one is, and I think I've told Aaron this before. But I think that it would have been great, even though it would have had to been edited to shit. Whenever Hulk Hogan came back, mm. you know, everybody's always like, we've talked about it before on the show. Hulk Hogan, pfft, Hulk Hogan sucks. Blah blah blah. What happens Maybe every time? What happens every time Hogan comes back? Huge pop, they right? Pop, right. Yeah. So Hogan should come out to "Forgot About Dre" <laughs> when he comes back. <laughs> That's actually funny though, because it works both ways. Andre, you forgot about Andre the Giant. You forgot about what he did. You know, act like I don't have any leg drops. What do you think? I sold them all. <laughs> I don't sell shit. <laughs> Hogan's Beach Shop, though he will He'll right. autograph them too. You want to buy this weight belt? <laughs> Kane. I think a cool theme song for Kane would be "Rage Against the Machine." Sleep now in the fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that works. Triple H, Hail to the King by Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, I, that, I, I always thought that would have been a good one for like one of his WrestleMania entrances, you know, where they do some because you know, for a while there, WrestleMania was about two things the Undertaker streak. Well, and Triple H's entrance, brother. Yep. <laughs> Triple yeah, H he always, like these... he always he always has. A, I mean, say what you want, but he always does have a fucking killer entrance. The only oh, one yeah. that he ever did that I didn't like was uh, him and Steph one on him motorcycle. And, yeah, when him and Steph come out on the little motorcycles because they were like moving really mm-hmm. slow and shit, it's like that didn't work. But was that, the, that, was that when they was that the one where it they wrestled? They fought, uh, it was when they Rousey fought and Rock. Yeah, Rousey yeah. Angle. Yeah. Yeah. Shelton Benjamin, at some point, probably earlier in his career, should have used "Stronger" by Kanye West. Yeah, yeah, that could I think, work for Shelton. I think for his for his like two thousand. Well, I think the song came out in two thousand seven, but for like his, you know that that period that the ruthless aggression period and all that. I think that would have been a superb theme yeah. for him and his character. And the last one, I know I'm moving through these quick because I I missed the point. But oh, go ahead, Aaron. No, I said that's fine that you're moving through them quick. <laughs> Shut your face. Shut your face. <laughs> this one, this one is uh I think that Berlin 
Alex Wright. Yep, we got an Alex Wright reference here. But I think Berlin. That I liked that gimmick, by the way. Oh, that gimmick I was thought, great. That gimmick, they, they fucking dropped the ball on that shit. Oh yeah, yes. oh yeah. Because I and I was I was always a, a fan of him as a wrestler. I didn't like the 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 dancing thing. The dancing, was a, thing worked, the dancing thing worked when he turned heel. When he turned heel with the dancing fools with disco and all that. Well, even yes. before that, like just when like like there was that weird time where he was like with Deborah and all mm-hmm. that shit. But still, right. him being like like talking with his broken English and Gene being like, nobody knows what the hell you're saying and all this. <laughs> like it worked. Alex as a Wright. Heel. Alex Wright. Was a wrestler. As a wrestler, he's super. Fu- well, Sorry, I, I could talk for a minute. No, that's okay. No, we can't. Like he was super, yeah, that like I don't know why, and it probably because he was making good money in WCW, but like why he never popped off on WWE's radar. Good looking guy, good looking guy in shape, can work. You know, I just I don't know why they never even picked him up. Like I was like, huh? Like I was even thinking the other day, like man. This is like a, a silly random match. But like, say an Alex Wright goes to WWF in like 97. We could have got to see like Alex Wright versus Two Cold Scorpio. Like, imagine yeah. how good that would have fucking been. You mm-hmm. know, or Alex Wright versus... Alex Wright versus Owen Hart. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I really do think that, that Alex overall is criminally underrated. And they did. They dropped the ball with the Berlin gimmick because that gimmick was cool as shit. And I think a cool entrance theme for the hymn would have been Du Hast by Rammstein. Yes. Yes. Um, but I yeah, agree. I'm glad we got into an Alex Wright conversation. They, <laughs> they dropped the ball with Berlin like three weeks in when they said, and he used to be Alex Wright. And it was yeah. like, wait, we don't need to know <laughs> that right now. Mm-hmm. We want Alex Wright. Oh. You know, Alex Wright is also one of my, is, is, is one of my favorite um, um, stories in a wrestling book. And it's okay. Chris Jer- It's one of Chris Jericho's books, and he's talking about being at a worldwide taping, and he hears this like argument, and it's Hard Body Harrison and Alex Wright arguing about who's going to be the heel in their match <laughs> at the fucking s- center stage, and like, like he's like Hard Body Harrison's like motherfucker, I'm gonna be the heel, and Alex Wright's like, no, I'm going to be heel, and they're like <laughs> arguing back and forth. And Chris Jericho's like, who gives a fuck? It's worldwide. Nobody's watching this. Furthermore, hard body Harrison, nobody knows who the fuck you are. They might not even (laughs) say your name tonight. Except the feds. They know who he is. (laughs) But yeah, that's one of of my favorite wrestling stories, man. (laughs) Alex, like, like Jericho said, they almost came to fucking... Like fisticuffs over who was going to be the heel on their worldwide match. <laughs> that would have been a weird news report. Alex Wright involved in backstage uh, altercation. You click on it, you're like, "What happened?" Hard body Harrison. Fuck. What the <laughs> fuck? Last words Ooh. were as Alex Wright laid Hard Body Harrison out. His last words to Harrison were, "I'm to heal." <laughs> <laughs> Nathan uh, with full Hogan's heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to call this Nate's Nate's uh, cavalcade of voices or something. I'm doing Sullivan and Russo and I. I kind of apparently Hogan's heroes. 
We just on the on the recent reliving the extreme. We were just talking about Alex, many Alex knocks him out and he goes, "You know nothing." <laughs> <laughs> we were on the recent reliving the extreme. We were talking about the many voices of Paul Heyman because mm-hmm. during the old ECW shows, you know he. He'd be for one for one event he'd do kind of a British voice like this, and then for another one he'd do some Jersey accent or something. Or and it, I mean, every time you obviously can tell it's Paul Heyman. Like it's, it's <laughs> wait, I joked with uh, Aaron and Chad. I I expected him to go promotional consideration paid for by the <laughs> following. Pizza Hut, good on yeah. <laughs> Bop it. Whiskey. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> and Castrol GTX, <laughs> right? Because for some reason they were on every wrestling promotion. Bop it! All right, guys. Well, we're gonna take a break, <laughs> and when we come back, unless you guys have anything else before we get to the meat of the matter, which is smoking mountain wrestling, I think I'm good. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we're gonna give. We're gonna let Archie catch his breath, and uh, when we return, we will be back. As we review Smoky Mountain Wrestling's also, Volunteer also, Slam. Also, don't forget to enjoy our uh, sponsor, Super Soaker Max. <laughs> I'm the heel. I'm the heel. <laughs> I'm the heel. Well, well, well. You can't wrestle. So what did you do? You went out there and you started a podcast. You got that right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and I am Brian Pillman Jr. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is a podcast about wrestling and a bunch of guys that don't know how to do it. But I, Brian Pillman Jr., am very good at pro wrestling, so I don't need to start a podcast called the We Can't Wrestle podcast, but I'll gladly put my name on the brand. I'll gladly go on the line to say that the We Can't Wrestle podcast is one of the most informative, most balanced, non-biased podcasts out there. Thank you very much, and have a good listen. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate, Aaron, and Archie here with you, and we are proceeding to the main event, the meat of the matter. Our show review this week, we selected... Smoky Mountain Wrestling Volunteer Slam 1992. I have a couple of things to say before we review the show. The first thing is, um, and Aaron can uh, attest to this, those that listen to the show, Archie, you all know we've brought it up a million times. Aaron and I are Ohio boys, all right? We grew up in Ohio, Northwest Ohio, close to, I mean, not close, close, probably two hours from Detroit, Detroit. We grew up in Toledo, and... So here's what wrestling we got growing up in, in our local market. We got WWF, obviously. We got NWA slash WCW. And then sometimes when Fox 55 in Detroit decided to air it, we would get some of the remnants of the Chic promotion in Detroit at that time run by the great Wojo. And we would get some of that stuff locally, which actually that's where uh, we for Aaron and I actually forgot to see Scott Steiner before he went national. Because really? He was, I didn't. he was. Yeah, he was in that promotion before he went national. Um, but anyway, we also got GWF. We did get GWF on, on ESPN, ESPN. But what I, the point I was getting to was our grandmother lived in Knoxville. OK. And every summer for two weeks, we got to go stay with her in Knoxville. 
And obviously, staying with Grandma was the highlight. But one of the cool things for a little dude wrestling fan like me and Aaron was, for a couple of weeks every year, we got to watch Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It was this weird promotion that we didn't get to see back home. You know, so every year it's like catch up with what's going on in the Smoky Mountain Wrestling. What are these hillbillies up to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you read about it in the magazines and you're like, man, I wish I could watch it, but I got to yeah. wait till I go to grandma's in the summer. <laughs> but yeah, Smoky Mountain holds a special place in my heart for a few reasons. First of all, great promotion. Second of all, those childhood memories of getting to watch it when we went to stay in Knoxville. I uh, found out about Smoky Mountain, like um, Aaron said, through magazines. Because mm-hmm. when in the back of PWI, they would tell you who the world champion was of different companies, and then who the tag champions were, who the number one contender was. And I kept seeing Smoky Mountain wrestling. I'm like, what is this? And then through tape trading and you know friends of mine having it, you know, and whatever, I I would watch it here and there, and I I liked it, but it wasn't what I was used to. Obviously, mm-hmm. WWF and NWA. As I got older, I got into it and began watching it because of the uh, hearing that the gangsters were there and, you know, uh, the Eliminators and other big names. The Undertaker used to do a pop-in every now and then. But I stopped watching it. And now because of you guys, when you tell me to watch something and I rewatch it, I forget certain things. And I get like, I didn't know that was Brian Lee, as in Brian Lee from ECW and the fake Undertaker. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was coincidence they shared the same name until watching this show. And I saw the face, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's Brian Lee. And I have a lot to say about him as we review this show, too. I do, too. I do, too. Um, May 5th, 1992. Smoky Mountain has just started up. I think they started in February of 92, I believe. <coughs> yeah, this is the um, the build-up for their title. They're going to crown. They did their tag team title first, obviously, because Jim Cornette's a tag team guy. And, wanted right. to, and, and traditionally, that area of the country was based around tag, tag team wrestling. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to say it was like an afterthought, but in that area of the country, like the, the world title was almost secondary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's also because of that mindset of the way territory wrestling was set up. It was for a touring NWA champion to come in and be, you know what I mean? And defend the yeah. world title once or twice a year. So, right. You would build around tag teams and then maybe a secondary champion, but it, that's the that's the philosophy. That was you know Jim Cornette's philosophy was that NWA philosophy, and for the most and, part, it was working. It did get it did get by for him and did what it had to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So this this uh, event is the tournament for the first ever, as Aaron kind of alluded to, the first ever Smoky Mountain Championship. We have Les Thatcher and Phil Rainey on commentary. I was actually disappointed. The Dutch wasn't in there? No, everybody knows how much I love Bob Cottle. And I wanted Bob Cottle, but that's all right. Les, Les Bob, and Phil. Bob, Bob comes later, and, and Bob Bob was doing the um, TV show. Yeah. yeah. They, did, they, they went with Lance. And, or not Lance, sorry. Um, um, Les. Um. I was upset that, and I had watched this a long time ago and just rewatched it yesterday. But I'm not, I, I don't like Phil Ramey. He does some different things on Smoky Mountain leading up to this. Like he's doing all the vignettes with um, Jim Cornette trying to, and like, um, 
present his heavenly bodies and different things happen to where he doesn't get to sh- he doesn't get to show me. I'm not a fan of Phil on commentary. No show. I would rather been. I would rather it be um, Les Thatcher and Dutch Mantel. Yeah, have, well, have have Phil have do, some do the interviews. I agree with you because I felt that Dutch because of obviously Dutch Mantel was a heel. He he played more to the heels when doing the interviews. So it would have been better to have somebody that was even keel doing the interviews because it just seemed like Dutch was like almost helping some of the heels through their promos. You know and what I, I mean? Get, he was adding mm-hmm. a word. And I get what Jim was going for. And I think Jim was going for the, um, cause Les Thatcher's a great commentator. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I think, I think he was going for the, the, the Lance Russell, Dave Brown type feel. And it just yeah. didn't work. I agree. I agree. And it, it was it was not in any way that this that their commentary sucked. Oh no. No. Get that out there. It was just it would like Aaron kind of said, it would be it would have been better had it been uh, uh with a heel color commentator. Like let's right. say this, like like let's put it in the equivalent of like a, a mainstream thing. It was like when um um face Lord Alfred Hayes, Sean Mooney would commentate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's no arguments or there's no, you know, this guy saying, oh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the the uh, interviewers in the back for the show are Dutch Mantel and this Mark Aston guy. Who looks like and, an idiot. Uh, yeah, he does. It's, yeah, he really did. He didn't look like he belonged to funny. Leslie. It's funny. It's so funny because on my, on my notes I have Mark Aston looks like he would be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, if you happen to be listening, we we we're sure you're you're quite the intelligent gentleman. Um, so what we you want to do again, Jim? <laughs> I just I want you to hold the microphone in front of his mouth. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, that that's his that's his chin. That's his nipple. His chin. <laughs> hold, hold it in his mouth. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we got Dirty Dutch Mantel and Dummy Mark Aston doing our interviews here. And, like uh, butthead. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, Dixie Dynamite, how's that match going to be? <laughs> this is Nate Does Impressions Night. I'll be here all week. All right, Dixie Dynamite, who is Scott Armstrong. Scott Armstrong, yes, I was just about to say that. that was, along was, with – and he is facing – a guy that probably, awesome. yeah, I was about to say probably because I don't know why, I don't know why Tony Anthony never got a fairer shake on a bigger stage because he is, he is a great heel wrestler. Um, I agree with you. I love dirty white boy, Tony Anthony followed his career through Smoky Mountain and other independent wrestlers. But at the time he finally got signed to WWF, it was when Vince wanted to give people real occupations. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. TL Hopper, really? You know? He fell into he fell into that jobbers with gimmicks yeah. um thing that Jim Cornette says he told D Lo Brown, don't, don't do it. Don't because they called D Lo Brown and he told D Lo, don't mm. do it. Because they're just gonna strap you with a shitty gimmick and make you a jobber. Um and Dirty White Boy, of course, is is uh, adorned with the magnificence of Ron Wright, 
which if you just watch this show, you don't get to see the true magnificence of fucking Ron Wright, man. I'm God. down here. My legs don't work. I've been trying <laughs> to do this. I, he's like, I got, I got bills, man. I, my, my medical bills are piling up. I'm just trying to do, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to live my life and these people just don't understand, man. I just need help. I'm in this chair because of you people. Cause I've been trying to entertain you and I'm just trying to live my life. And then y'all help. And the God, best part it, is so good. The best part is the fucking blanket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Like he sold that shit to a kill. Like, I don't understand why people in wheelchairs always have to have a blanket, but they do. <laughs> Like and you shit right yeah, it's like your shit don't work. So how do you know it's cold? You know? <laughs> right. But but Ryan Wright was like, "Gotta have a blanket, buddy. You gotta have a blanket on the place. <laughs> Everybody got a blanket when they're in a wheelchair." Have you ever have any have either of you ever gone back and watched like seeked out any of his stuff from when he was actually a wrestler back in Knoxville? Oh and yeah, stuff there? no, there's I stuff never on have. that guy Archie, like. And I didn't even, I to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't even seek any of it out till probably about two, three years ago. Okay, right. I always watched the Smoky Mountain stuff and thought he was great as the. And at one time, I don't know what inspired me to do it, but I went down a YouTube wormhole one night mm-hmm. and just spent an entire night watching everything I could consume on YouTube of Ron Wright and his career. That guy is a national fucking treasure. All right. He is he is one of the great, like, especially territory, especially for a territory wrestling. You he don't you don't you hero. don't you don't stump Gordon Sully. Okay, like you can't stump Gordon Sully, but when he, when he flips out that Nazi flag and puts it on <laughs> yeah. the desk, and Gordon Sully's like, Nope. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. Like, uh-uh. no way. <laughs> Yeah, Ron Wright is fucking fantastic. And him just being like, I'm just trying to pay my medical bills and make an honest living. And ter- and Dirty White Boy's like, look, man, this guy, he, he's a national treasure. He's trying to make him some money. Get him out of that chair. That's fucking fantastic. And he's telling people to send him money. And fucking Bob Cottle's like, don't send this guy no money. <laughs> fucking great. On, on this show, or on this, on this uh, podcast, it's uh, no matter how much we like things, we always like to point out the botches too, because that's what we do. There is a point. In the, this is a pretty a pretty basic match. Yeah, basic action here. But there is a point where Dirty White Boy throws a clothesline and falls on his ass. He does recover from it good though and talks some shit to the fans. Um, Dixie Dynamite misses a drop kick, and then in one of the greatest finishing maneuver names ever, Dirty White Boy hits the Buck Snort Blaster <laughs> and pins yeah. Dixie Dynamite. And see, Dixie, Dixie Dynamite, I'm not a fan of Dixie Di- Okay, I don't want to say I'm not a f- I'm a fan of Scott Armstrong because there's no right. bad Armstrong. There's no bad right. Armstrong. Right. Right. Every Armstrong is good at different things, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, Steve is crimi- crimi- ah, criminally underrated. Steve Armstrong is criminally underrated. And... Like with him and the Young Pistols and all that shit, watch that shit. And then if you guys get into like Smoky Mountain and watch it later on, he's fucking fantastic. I just, I don't, he was like a homesteader from everything I understood. Mm-hmm. And, and they all got different things from their dad. Right. That made them great. But to me, like the Dixie Dynamite character was kind of cheap. 
It, it seems like they I, I pulled together just to have a jobber. I understand why it works in that territory. And later on, they take the mask off of him, and he's like, like Jim Cornette's like, we all know you're Scott Armstrong. He takes the mask off, and he sells it like, you know, I just didn't want to be associated with my dad because I didn't want to think, you know, I don't want you guys to think I was getting a push because of my dad and all that. But I just thought the Dixie Dynamite character, like, with his little firecrackers and all that shit. Eh. Yeah. yeah. But, but Scott's <clears throat> fundamentally sound and is oh, yeah. actually, uh, if you watch him on, he's a fantastic referee. Yeah, but yeah, this match was a good basic opener. Opener, and mm-hmm. was basic Southern style wrestling, and it was entertaining. No, nothing great, nothing offensive. Yeah. Um, then we get uh, two guys Ugh. that I always, I think we t- two guys that I always like to see on a screen together: Dutch Mantel and Buddy Landell, um, or as we have known him in the past on this show, Buddy Rondell. Buddy Rondell. <laughs> But uh, we get Dutch doing a, an interview with Buddy. Buddy's always a good promo. Uh, Buddy Landell's one of those guys that I think would have been a much bigger star nationally had he not had his own personal demons going on, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's a good assumption. But he, 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 was, he was a great wrestler. I, I won't take anything away from him in the ring. I just think that them saddling or himself saddling himself with the I want to be Ric Flair gimmick. It hurt him, and you I can I, mean? <clears throat> I can see where you'd say that because I don't I don't think it hurt him necessarily. Here's here's my biggest thing with Landell. I love Buddy Landell in Smoky yeah. Mountain. I love Buddy Landell in other promotions. I never liked it when <laughs> Buddy Landell was in was in the same promotion as Ric Flair. Right, because in that respect, yes, to that to whatever audience is watching that, it just comes off as a guy that's pretending to be right. He could be Gilbert for all anybody cares. They're not going to really yeah. look at his body of work and say he's well, yeah. great. You know, I would put it like my first note was, "Oh, it's the it's the fake Nature Boy versus the fake Undertaker." <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. But I, I, I want to say something real quick. Real quick. This is why I laughed. Um, I, I had posted that I wanted some people to play some, like, post some of their own songs, and Brian Huff did two of them. All right, okay. Brian. Okay, if I say what they are. Oh, sure. Um, he uh, said that Sable should have come out to Barbie Girl. <laughs> okay. I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Okay. And this one really, this one popped me. That's why I laughed. Uh, Sid Vicious. John Fogarty's center field. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good job, Brian. Brian, that was funny. (laughs) Put me in, coach. Coach, I'm ready to play today. (laughs) Not in the ring, though. (laughs) Put me in, coach. That one cracked me up. Sorry. (laughs) Good job, Brian Huff. Thank you for listening and participating. (laughs) Um. Landell, as we as Aaron alluded to, Buddy Landell against Brian Lee is our next matchup, and I have my notes for this are until I get to the action. Buddy Landell is great. Brian Lee, and I'm going to repeat this a couple of times through the show. Anybody else think Brian Lee is a guy that regressed through his career because? In Smoky Mountain here, Brian Lee's pretty fucking good. 
Yeah. By the time Yay. he gets to be, by the time he gets to be chains in the WWE, he's just like slugging along. But I mean, for a young, you know, Southern baby face here, this wow. I can see why Jim Cornette made him his first top face. Well, I got, some, I got some notes on that. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say mine after. It, it's later on, and I wrote it down. It's just as I was watching it. I'm not saying Brian Lee was terrible or anything like that, but. Brian Lee, in my opinion, and you guys could tell me if I'm off with what I'm saying, he was attempting to be Barry Windham. Yes. I can see why you're and saying you're that. And you're not Barry. Sorry, Brian, you're not Barry right. Windham. No, but Buddy Landell was attempting to be Ric Flair. <laughs> I know, but, I, but I'm just saying. Imitation like, flattery. Like, even in this match, like, this match did nothing for me. It was, I, this I, match I, I get what Aaron's saying. The, the outfit, the look, the hair. I guess, I guess, yeah. uh, I guess I'm the outlier on this because I really enjoy Brian Lee. Like watching and Smoky I like, Mountain. I'm, I, I like Brian Lee. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. But I like Brian Lee better as a heel later on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Well, see, I, what I was going to say was, after I watched this, it actually went it cued right to a Jim Cornette interview where someone asked him, why did you make Brian Lee your first world heavyweight champion? And Jim Cornette's exact words were, and he did not mean this in any disrespect to Brian Lee, that Brian Lee was like the fifth choice. Mm-hmm. Jim's first choice was Brad Armstrong. Yeah. You couldn't get him. because Brad was wrapped up in WCW. WCW and with the power plant. Then he thought about bringing in Jerry Lawler. Lawler couldn't do it because he was with the WWF. He had other guys in it, and then when he finally came down to it, he's like, well, Brian Lee's a young kid. He's a Southern boy. Let's try it. Mm-hmm. Brian, to his, you know, to his, did his best. He, he looked, I think he looked great in the tournament unless he was getting his ass kicked by Paul Orndorff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I like Brian Lee. To your point, as far as when he finally became Chains, I think Brian, after being the fake Undertaker and then being decimated at SummerSlam the way that he was, when the WWF finally told him, hey, we're going to make you change and you're going to be with Crush and two other guys and you're going to be bikers, he was just like, okay. Yeah, whatever. You I'll know, get a check. What, whatever you want me to write, I'm going to check. Yeah. And then he went to ECW and reinvented himself as primetime Brian Lee with the triple thread. And even though it was the tail end of his career because he was, you know, much older, he actually did a great job there as being the heavy for Shane Douglas. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Like Brian Lee had to reinvent himself constantly because no one was giving him a shot at himself, in my opinion. He uh, he gets a small package for the win in this match. It was an uh, awkward looking small package. It was. It kind of. Yeah. It was. It was an awkward, awkward spot. Like Landell, this was like like you were talking with Jim Cornette saying like, "Oh, I want Brad Armstrong or this that other thing." This is Smoky Mountain starting. It's like Jim Cornette says, there's two, there's the tale of two buddies. There's the buddy he had first and then the buddy that came back and, and watching this match and I'm not a worker or anything like that. Buddy Landell did Brian Lee, no favors in this fucking match. No, no, he made him look like shit. My opinion. And that's why I thought it was a dud. Like I wasn't knocking Brian Lee. I was more unimpressed with how buddy put him over than any, Mm-hmm. Like it was just Buddy did nothing in this match. My next, my next note 
says, Tim Horner promo, what a fucking goofus. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. My, mine is Tim Horner promo, that guy sucks on the microphone. My note was... I'm not even filleting it, like, like, he just sucks on it. My note... My, <laughs> My note was, oh my god, is that Bobby Fulton? And then they went, Tim Horner, and I went, oh, it's Tim Horner. And he he sounds goofy, and he looks yeah. goofy, and just everything about Tim Horner is goofy. He's you know goofy. what it made me goofy. question? Remember when he showed back up in WCW in like 98 on Nitro? I was like, what made them rehire him? You know what I mean? It was like, why did they think Tim Horner was going to get over in 98? He looks, like, an, he looks like, the, like the idiot that would come in to buy a... To buy a, a fishing license, and then when I go, hey, I need your, I need, I need your driver's license. Be like, what? What? Right, right. You mean I gotta walk back after my truck? Be like, yeah, man. <laughs> walk out there like white lightning, brother, and get your driver's license. Fucking idiot. The next match is Goofus Tim Horner against Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Can uh, I ask a question? Of, yeah, okay. Can I ask a question real quick? It seems like every show we always like review older shows, Paul Orndorff is on them. Did he like jump around? He's one of the because he's one of the greatest. He's one of the greatest heels of all time. You know what doesn't get enough? You know what doesn't get enough discussion about Paul Orndorff? What we we on this and we're we're guilty of it on this show sometimes too. Hogan Savage, Hogan Warrior, Hogan Flair, Hogan, 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 and. And then, uh, obviously, Hogan Andre. You know, nobody ever drew more money with Hulk Hogan than Paul Orndorff. Really? In nineteen, Their feud in 1986, uh, obviously, Andre and Hogan at, at WrestleMania three in and of itself is the biggest event of all time in the history of pro wrestling. But well, Hulk, the Hogan, is a big Hulk, event. Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff was the most financially successful main event program WWF ever had was not aware of that. until until probably Rock and Austin. Okay, I'm right. talking eighties. I'm sorry, I should have right. clarified. No, but I that guess. era, that era, Paul Orndorff and Hulk Hogan drew a fuck ton of money. Paul Orndorff does not get enough credit for the money no, drawing deal that he was. But it's just weird to me that like UWF, uh, Smoky mm-hmm. Mountain, uh, A AWF. It's like every show and it's we've because, ever it's it's for a at, couple of reasons. He was a great custom bounce. Well, yeah, he was a great talent. He was a great talent, but he was also a talent would tell the promoter to go fuck themselves. Right. Fuck you money. But but every promoter liked him so much and he was so good that they'd forgive him and bring him back. I remember the last time you told me go fuck yourself, fuck myself. Come on back, Paul. Right. But yeah, I mean, I just I just wanted to I know I went on a tangent, but that's good. The Hogan, the Hogan Orndorff program does not get enough credit for how successful it was in its time. It was really, really big for the WWF. But he is and, here, and he is saddled with this goofus Tim Horner here. At, well, he uh, went hey, hard. Hey, 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 I want to say something though. Saddled isn't. It, I don't like uh, Tim Horner is a goofus, but don't say saddled because Tim Horner, for an idiot, <laughs> is a pretty good wrestler. I don't like him as a wrestler either. Okay, well, he's a, he, he's a good wrestler. But what even proves he's a bigger idiot than just a stupid promo is the fact that his entrance theme is about spousal abuse. <laughs> the don't, Thunder Rolls is about spousal abuse. It is. And plus, 
Your your name is Lightning, and you're coming out to Thunder Rolls. <laughs> That's Thunder, not Lightning. Right, right. He's a stupid idiot. <clears throat> to me, it seems can, like Paul Orndorff went off on him in this match. Like, he really a little went bit. as hard as possible. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know. I don't know if it was just Orndorff, Orndorff working stiff. Or if Horner wasn't giving him giving him enough, and Horner had to get stiff, but I think I think Tim Horner took an ass whooping this night. Yeah, and and like I said, I don't think Tim Horner can't cut a promo. Tim Horner comes off to me like being kind of a little bit of a simpleton, right? But he's not a terrible wrestler. No, they, no. they is if he wants, but he's not. Um. Uh. How I would describe Tim Horner to somebody that is a wrestling fan that might not know who Tim Horner is, I would say take Terry Taylor, okay, and remove any of Terry Taylor's charisma. <laughs> and that's Tim Horner. Okay. He's capable in the <laughs> ring. He's going to have a good match. But then when he talks, you don't give a fuck. You're gonna cringe. Yeah, and 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 you guys were talking about Paul Orndorff and drawing all that money with him and doing this, that, and the other thing. The other reason you want Paul Orndorff around is he's a name who doesn't give a fuck about making somebody else look good. No, you're mm-hmm. right about that. He does know how to put somebody over. Like. As long as as long as Paul Orndorff's booked properly and paid properly, he'll do whatever you ask him to do. Yeah, he, he like I I wrote it down. He, he to me he comes off like how people talk about Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. Like I'll sit in a locker room. Oh, I can help you make that guy. Right. I can help you make that guy. Oh, I can do something. With him. Well, you're gonna lose at the end of it. Well, I don't give a shit. I don't pay give a shit. Pay me. <laughs> Am I in the main event? I'm yes. Fucking we'll Paul Orndorff. You right. know, I, my name is already made. If I get pinned by this guy, what the fuck does it matter? I'm Paul fucking Orndorff. Right. I main evented fucking WrestleMania. I'll put Tim there. over if I need to. I mean, he I, doesn't, but you know what I mean. I had I had a couple of problems with this match. Um, firstly, I thought that um. There's a point in the match where Paul Orndorff has Tim Horner outside the ring, and he's choking him with the cables on the outside of the ring. And the commentators say, we don't know what's going on over there because we don't have monitors, but it looks like Orndorff's got Tim Horner down over there, and he's beating him up. And I didn't like that because I thought it made them sound cheap. Right. Um, Why would you admit that? It's a small criticism. It is what it is. I'm just, you know. No, there's around that, though. The finish, Tim Horner's legs were so blatantly in the ropes right. that it made it made um, Brian Hildebrand look bad as a referee. Brian was, Hild- I mean, it was so blatant. Like, Nate, it, wasn't yeah, even, yeah. it wasn't even like Orndorff tried to hide it. Okay, but the one, two, three, okay, you didn't see it. You get up and then blatantly turn around and let Orndorff unhook the leg from mm-hmm. the rope. So then you could not see it. It's like, yeah. dude, really? Yeah, I had some. I had some major problems with this deal, and this was probably my least favorite match on the on the show. 
but still, Orndorff did it, did what he was supposed to. Yeah, oh, got yeah. over, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, nothing, nothing on this show is horrible. I was just saying right. this was probably my least favorite deal on the show. Um, up next, Jimmy Golden and Robert Gibson. Jimmy Golden, uh, for those of you that don't know um, a lot about Jack Swagger's uh, dad. Yeah, not only Jack Swagger's dad, but also Bunkhouse <laughs> Buck in WCW. Uh, Jimmy Golden, uh, a member of one of the great early families of professional wrestling, the Fuller Welch family. I love um, me some Dud's table, brother. Yeah. Um, and he is going up against one of my faves, of course, of the, from the Rock and Roll Express, Robert Gibson. This match is good. I don't have a lot of written down on it. I just put really good match. Gibson sells the knee. Great psychology. This was a good match. Jimmy Golden and, and Robert my, Gibson. My only critique against it would have been how quick the ending happened. Like, not that the match itself happened that quickly. But, like, I was watching it, and then I looked away for a split second and went back, and I'm like, wait, how did Robert Gibson win? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just it happened in a flash. So, you know, it, but Robert Gibson was a great talent. Um obviously a tag team specialist, but on those off chances, him or Ricky had to wrestle as singles. They did a great job, mm-hmm. you know, so I enjoyed Robert in this match. I did too. And I, I'm, I'm a Jimmy golden fan. I'm a fan of, uh, anytime you put, um, Robert Fuller and Jimmy golden together, I want to watch it, whether they're, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden, or whether they're Bunkhouse Buck and Colonel Parker. Fucking great. And um, I think Robert, and I know everybody talks about Rock and Roll Express. I'm looking at their autograph up here. I watch their matches all the time. Robert, somewhat underrated, I think, just because he's overshadowed by... Uh, yeah, I mean Richie, Ricky, Richie, <laughs> Richie Morton. Ricky Morton is bombastic. You know what I mean? Like Ricky Morton is just—he's this. I, I hate to compare the two teams because even though there are similarities, they are different. It is like Sean and Marty, not in the not in the respect like Robert's not Marty. Marty Marty Janetti's career could have been so much better if it weren't for Marty Janetti getting in his own way, right? But what I'm saying is, in that group, in that twosome, Shawn Michaels is like uh, charisma personified, and Marty is a really good fucking talent. Right, and that's where that's where Ricky and Robert are. Like Robert well, is, or Ricky is that ta- Ricky is that charisma, and Robert is that just right. Ricky would cut of, the entire promo until the ending when Robert would say his ending line, or even in the match. Right, Ricky or would or get even the pin. Ricky yeah, would like, sell. Right. Yeah. And then Robert would get in there and fucking work. Right. Mm-hmm. They are okay. My favorite tag and I'm, we're yeah, it's what we do here, right? It's what we my, do. My favorite tag team of all time, I've said it a million times on the show, is the Heart Foundation. I love Demolition. They're two they're one A, but the right. Heart Foundation is my favorite tag team. But and they and the Rock and Roll Express is in my top five. The Heart Foundation is my favorite tag team, but let's be honest, the Rock and Roll Express might be the greatest tag team of all time. Considering Mid- they're still doing uh, it God, today, yeah. 
God damn it. The Midnights are up there too, though. But mm-hmm. man, the Rock and Roll Express. Okay, Rock and Roll Express are the greatest babyface tag team of all time. Rock and Roll Express is the greatest tag team of all time because they never, I shouldn't say they never, they never broke up. They had that shitty, stupid feud or whatever in WCW, but they were just consistently always together. And always good. And, and always they, good. And I'll and, say it again. They but still LOD, it LOD wasn't always good. Nope. And, no, but, there were, there were a L- bunch of bad old LOD matches. LOD, LOD is LOD. Legion of Doom is the Andre the Giant of tag teams. They're the greatest tag team attraction <laughs> right. of all time. But they're by no means the greatest tag team of all time. But when you hear Jim Cornette or any promoter talk about we had to fill the arena and sell out quick, they talk about the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, because the Express were – here's why they're the greatest babyface tag team of all time. I take any heel tag team, okay? Yep. Hear me out. I take any heel tag team, and on a random Saturday night, superstars, Clash of the Champions, fucking whatever it is, I have them beat Ricky Morton up, and he can't wrestle, and he's out for six weeks. Because this this tag team, whether it be the Andersons or Demo, I'm just pulling names out of my hat. The Bolsheviks, whoever. They beat him down. They put Ricky out. Robert's talking about Ricky on TV every week. Ricky's coming back because Ricky's the the, next to Shawn Michaels. Nobody sells like, like Ricky Morton. And then they come back, and then they have the match, and they work the program, and it's the best shit you've ever seen in your right, life. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, like they're, they're it's so, a 45 minute mat classic between they're two great so good, and it doesn't matter who they're in the ring with. Nope. Aaron and I, Aaron and I watched them live wrestle two shitty fucking indie wrestlers, and it was the best match on the on the card. They they did you watch them on the NWA recently last year? Yes, they fantastic. Took on the, those guys were the bouncers, those two three hundred pounders. They made them look like they were fighting the Midnight Express. Yep, you know that's, Ricky, they, Ricky Morton's like like seventy years old. He's right. doing Canadian destroyers and right. shit. <laughs> Fucking fantastic, you know. And they still got the music, baby. Right, right. <laughs> Ooh, boogie, God, I love them. Fuck, I love them. And you know what else? Is it or is it not, Aaron? Cool as shit that we you got a picture with them, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it cool that we got to wear their Hall of Fame rings when we took yeah. the Archie? They wow. let us wear their Hall of Fame that rings. Was, like there were other people charging extra if you wanted to wear the ring and shit. Them motherfuckers just like yeah, hey, they man. were like I'm yeah, over like, the ring. Like I had never I, met, I quote. I, I got to be. I got lucky because I got to actually get my picture taken before Aaron. But Ricky was like, he looked at Robert Gibson. He was like, well, of course they asked my name and blah, blah, blah. And then Ricky goes, hey, who? Let's let him wear the ring. <laughs> and I was like, oh, motherfucker, you motherfuckers. <laughs> but yeah, them guys, man, they were personable. They were entertaining. And um, when they had their match, they came out and they had their match. And like people popped when they came out because they came out to rock and roll as king which is their coolest theme and all this shit, you know? <laughs> and um, the match was going on and like nobody was really reacting except maybe the first two rows and like they were in the middle of the car <laughs> and fucking, fucking Ricky Morton looked out at the crowd. He's like, God damn, them first matches must have sucked. You people aren't into this shit at all. 
<laughs> he was like, come on! Come on, <laughs> goddammit. That was fucking great. All right, now that we went off on a tirade, the, the next match in the show. Oh, let's, forget, let's not forget Robert Gibson won that match. Yes, yes he did. And now we got the Dirty White Boy and Brian Lee in the second round. I think that Brian Lee had a good flurry to start the match. Um, yeah, he attacked immediately as the bell sounded. He did a really good. Anthony a minute. Yeah, and he got he get he did the blade job. He sold real. I was really like, and I'm watching Smoky Mountain right now. Like I, this show I probably watched. I, I actually watched this a second time because I think I watched it like a month or so ago. But anyway, the dude is. I, I know you guys were kind of. I think a little bit disagreeing with me. I I really like Brian Lee in this role. No, I, 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 think, I don't mind him in this role, but I didn't know it was him at first. When I found out it was him. I kind of got taken aback because, and I'm going to sound stupid because I've never really heard him talk that much in ECW or when he was James in mm-hmm. WWF. I was like, I didn't know Brian Lee was Southern. You know what right. I mean? Because I never heard him have that pronounced accent. Mm-hmm. And then, like to, Aaron, to what Aaron said, he did have that Barry Wyndham young, you know, up and comer esque, you know, look to him. Right. And it just seemed like that was what he was trying to pull off here. But that could have been something Cornette told him to do, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, oh, you yeah. have to be wholesome. You have to be, you know, be for the people. And he, he did his best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron, what did you think of this match? Uh, it was an okay match. And um, I kind of went over, like, when I said, oh, I was going to bring up the Barry Wyndham thing and all that. As I was watching the show, you guys just kind of speak, like, spark my memory on what I was going to talk about in this match. Like we already talked about, like that he has brought up the TL hopper thing and all those, those were just in my notes. But like I said, I don't, I don't dislike Brian Lee, but I just, and I, the notes are at the end of mine. Like I put who I, who I would have had win this tournament, but I don't know. Brian Lee is a baby face. Just really kind of doesn't do it for me. See, I'm the and, opposite. I'm and the these opposite. guys, and they, and these guys, kind of ruled the roost for a little bit after this. Like it was like Brian Lee and and there's Dirty really, White there's, Boy. There's a really cool thing they do at one point where Dutch Mantel is going to go interview Brian Lee at his house, but his house he's like living in a van in a junkyard and shit. And it's really cool stuff. Like it's really well, he's not interviewing Brian Lee's interviewing. I, Dirty I, White. I'm sorry, I meant Dirty White Boy. But um, the yeah, he's like, who's that dog? I don't want nothing to do with that dog. <laughs> yeah, You're Dutch fucked Mantel up or whatever. The dog. But um, the um, I don't know. I guess I'm the opposite here. Like this is probably my favorite Brian Lee. Is this early? Early Brian Lee babyface. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, I love, I love Brian Lee when he's poking Tammy. That's my favorite Brian Lee. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, though, these two put on the best match because um, size-wise, you got obviously Dirty White Boy, who's a big lumbering guy, and then Brian Lee, who's this almost seven-footer, and they actually put on a pretty energetic, fast-paced match. You know, and Dirty White Boy beat the hell out of Brian Lee at the ending of it. You know, leaving him bloody. Yeah, that's what that's what you want to see in a match like this. You don't want to see a, a roll up or a a small package or anything like that. You want to see it come down to 
you know, blood, blood, sweat, and tears. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it gives you the way that Brian Lee left this match, having been, <clears throat> having been bloodied, having been attacked by a chair. It is babyface wrestling booking 101. There's no way this guy's going to win the tournament. There's no the way he's going to win parallel. Yes, absolutely. Um, then we get uh, a dirty white boy promo, which is good. As always, can I ask you, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Sure. And I put this down, and I was kind of watching. I was I was studying Mantel by love. Okay, not as I don't want to marry him or anything, but I love him. <laughs> um, do you think that Dutch Mantel? was a bad dresser because it was funny or because it was on just because he was a bad dresser. I, well, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like Bret Hart, Bret Hart is a bad dresser. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like he's well, terrible. I mean, at, he's terrible at wearing clothes. Like he wears <laughs> shitty outfits. What you was know? Dutch Mantel's character when he was with Jack Swagger recently in the WWF? What was his name? Uh, Zeb Coulter. Zeb yeah, Coulter, okay. Yes. Zeb Coulter. Even then, he was dressing bad. He had on, you know, like that khaki vest and a red tie, and so I, I think, think it comes down to the way he dresses. Like, was he dressing bad to be obnoxious, or was he just yes. not good at <laughs> yes. dressing? No, I no. think he, no, I think it was going to be dressing bad. I think I th- I think it's because he was <laughs> he was an old school wrestling heel, and he knew that if he dressed like that. He was going to stand out, right? But Whether good or bad, he was. Because I mean, let's be honest, or I'll be honest. The only time, and Aaron, Aaron knows this. The only time in his career I do not like Dutch Mantel is when he's wearing Bobby Jaggers as a backpack. Because <laughs> I hate Bobby Jaggers. But other than that, Dutch Mantel is one of the greats, man. One of the great heels. Yeah, one but, of the great talkers. See- what I'm thinking is they he walked into like a, a, an arena one night dressed like that, and the promoter went, "Hey Dutch, yeah, don't change a fucking thing." Yeah, you know, you look, I mean? like, you look horrible. It's you, great. You need to stay dressed like that. Well, I'm just and saying, Dutch, like, he, Dutch like, is like, like, yeah, I, okay. he, never, he never like he probably never wore this ensemble, but he'd have on like a checkered shirt, right, a straight tie, a vest, a vest, always wore a vest. <laughs> Some, jeans, some, tucked, some, jeans tucked into his boots. Some cargo pants and some like tuxedo shoes and shit. And he'd be like, I'm Dutch man pale. How you doing? Right. I'm classy as shit. You know, and it was. <laughs> okay. That might be uh, that might be weird that I asked that question. No, I like them. I like them. Uh, Up next, the next match. I don't have a lot of notes on, but I, the the simple the simple notes I have. It's uh, Paul Orndorff and Robert Gibson. All right. Now Robert Gibson is still obviously selling the knee from that, the last match. That was in my notes. You don't fucking get that anymore. You don't no. have a tournament now, and that fucking dude, like whoever was in the match now, would just fucking completely forget. Oh hey, oh yeah, yes. I'm my knee. Ooh. And there, there's the key because here's my notes: Orndorff and Gibson, good. Gibson still sells the knee. Orndorff wins, and Gibson has an excuse for losing. Right, yeah. because here's these guys, the realism. Th- these guys looked at themselves and said, hey, we're not supposed to have a great match. 
because you're fucking hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's not our job to fucking steal the show right now. Right. It's our exactly. job to stay in our fucking lane but, and do our fucking job. But the realism <laughs> of it is, is it's Paul Orndorff and Robert going to each other and going, hey, it's only been 20 minutes since you got your knee jacked up. Stay in you your lane. Walk, Let's do our you, job. Yeah, you walk out there hobbling and I'll work on your knee some more. You know? Exactly. As opposed um, to, oh, I got blinded three weeks ago. Oh, no, wait. Let's use Randy Orton here. I got a fireball through at my face two weeks ago, but I show up to the pay-per-view with no mark on my face. <laughs> yeah, total, total. <laughs> yeah, so. Can we, um, I mean, can you argue with a Jim Cornette and Heavenly Bodies promo? No. Those of you that uh, only have seen the Heavenly Bodies in the WWF, Pritchard and Del Rey, who were fantastic, were not yes. the original Heavenly Bodies. The original heavy, Heavenly Bodies were Tom Pritchard and Stan Lane with a bouffant. Sweet and Stan. It's a yes. wig. <laughs> it's a bouffant <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, but they were a great tag team together, and one of the first things I wrote down here, guys, Tom Pritchard is an underrated promo. I agree. Unless his name is Zip, but that's another story. <laughs> um, I mean, he's I, doing Roddy Piper, but it's still fantastic. Yeah, yeah I thought mm-hmm. he was too. I, he came off very Piper-esque. I will say this, though. It is a tribute and a, a wonderful thing to see how great of a manager and booker Jim Cornette is. Because this guy made four successful tag teams out of six people mm-hmm. and never had to add the word new or new and improved to the name. Like the Midnight started off with, with Dennis and Bobby, and then he added Stan Lane. The Midnight Express, uh, the Heavenly Body started off with Stan Lane and Bruce Pritchard, and then he added Jiggle Jimmy Del Rey. And all eight of the all eight, you know, all four of those teams were successful and unbelievable to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I, I I did write down a question that I was going to ask. Okay, um, and you guys can both answer it. Neither one of you answer whatever. Who you, you got to pick them? Okay. Who is who's the who's the better bodies? Is it Stan and Tom? Or or Tom and Jimmy. I say Tom and Jimmy. I do too. I I have to kind of agree. Uh, Stan Lane, in my opinion, was a placeholder here for Jimmy because this was just after Jim Cornette and Stan Lane walked out of WCW. So Stan and, Lane kind of had nothing else to do. So Jimmy Jim Cornette was like, "Go ahead, Stan." And do you and know why? In- do you know why I feel that that's the reason? And it's wow. not that Stan isn't great because Stan Lane is fucking fantastic. Oh, amazing. And um, he's a guy that's on my list of why didn't this guy ever, like, wrestle for Vince. Right. Understand that. But, um, I mean, he worked for Vince, but he never wrestled for him. But um, I liked um, Tom and Jimmy Del Rey because they weren't heavenly bodies. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're exactly. the heavenly bodies, but we're scuzzy looking. You know what I mean? Like, Jimmy Del Rey is sleazy looking. We're, right. one of us, we're both a little pudgy. One of us is furry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. But yeah. we're the I sexiest mean, thing on the planet. Like, yeah. And I, I hate to keep using the word here, but it's true. And I know we're getting off of this show. 
Jimmy Del Rey is underrated. Like yeah. he, you know, he was he was a great hand, um, and him and him and Tom were a great team. I think they should have got a run with the WWF tag titles. I agree, but, um, but they do a promo here, and like I said, Tom Pritchard is an underrated promo and an underrated wrestler. I can see why WWF trust trusted him to train their talent. Um, during this match, they face Party Patrol, which are the riches, the rich, but yeah, they suck. Uh, but during the match, one of my notes is Tom Pritchard. I think it's Johnny Rich. I don't know who it is. But Tom Pritchard gives one of the Rich brothers a perfect suplex. A perfect suplex. Like, it's one of the greatest suplexes I've ever seen in a match ever. And he's just, God, he's so good. It's smooth. His transition was smooth. You know. This is is one of my notes about the potty patrol. Okay. (laughs) Um, you, you remember that movie that, that Michael Keaton made where it, where they cloned him or whatever, like multiplicity? Uh-huh. Multiplicity? Yep. Okay. Hey, Steve. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, Party Patrol is like uh, Jim Bronzel was in that movie and he cloned himself a couple times. <laughs> and these, these are the fucking idiot clones. By the way, you're like the eighth or ninth time. By the way, and 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 you brought it up, but I I have said this to probably at least ten people in my life that I thought were smart enough to understand cinema and comedy. One of the greatest shticks. It may not even be one of the funniest movies ever made, but one of the greatest comedy shticks ever done was that movie. That every time you clone the person, he gets dumber. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. This is God bless Michael Keaton. This is the eighth and ninth clone of Jim Brunzel. (laughs) Like one's like furry and clumsy. (laughs) This fucking guy sucks. (laughs) And the the other one has like a big forehead, and he's kind of like his eyes are too close together. (laughs) Mike. He just, favorite... he, just keeps, he just keeps eating crayons. Like, why are you eating crayons? I like I like the fuchsia. <laughs> it tastes good. Red red tastes like cherry. Uh, but no, my favorite line by the commentary team during this match was Johnny is the more experienced of the two. Meanwhile, Johnny's outside looking directly in the ring as they're pinning his brother. And he's not jumping in the break <laughs> It's like so they, what? What? What's his experience? Two weeks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim Brunzel and Jim Dumzel went lose this match <laughs> against the uh, against the I, heavenly bodies. I love the way that Tom Pritchard put the, I guess, foreign object on his boot and then delivered an enziguri. You like where he put mm-hmm. it on the toe? He actually connected with his shin and didn't hit him with the foreign object, but it's still. It made sense, you know. That's well. I mean? It was it was more because his idiot opponent was out of out of place. Right, right. He wasn't in but his position. It was still a great heel tactic while Cornette had the other guy busy beating him up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so. Doctor Tom, I wrote this down because I watch. I like watch. I love watching Jim Cornette on shoot interviews and listening to him talk and everything <laughs> like that. <clears throat> Somebody asked him um, how Tom Pritchard became. 
known as the doctor. And he was like, well, Tom always had the fools. Yeah, that's, that's a so good enough reason. So they'd walk in the locker room and be like, what's up, doctor? Be like, oh, I got this for you, buddy. <laughs> oh, here you go, here you go. <laughs> Did you like my Tom Pritchard there? Got here you go, good. buddy, here you go. There you go. Yeah. You can do voices. I can do voices, too. <laughs> <laughs> so up next is our main event. Like Jim Ross podcast. Shitty fucking... Voices. <laughs> oh, here's Terry Funk. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. The main event of the show is Brian Lee and Paul Orndorff for the Smoky Mountain Championship. Uh, Bob Armstrong, the commissioner, comes out and uh, awards Paul Orndorff the title, but in good old-fashioned Southern babyface fashion... Out comes Brian Lee with the silly bandage on his head. Yeah. And, uh, but this is what it's all about. My mom, Sarah, told me to never give up. I need to do this. (laughs) Bob Armstrong in this role. I I happened when Bob grabs the belt back from Orndorff comically, the way he jumps over his shoulder and pulls the belt. And Orndorff's like, what are you doing? Bob Armstrong was meant to be the commissioner in a wrestling company. Yes. And that's in my notes is that out of every company that ever had a commissioner or anything like that, I don't know if there's a better person that was ever like in the commissioner role. Right. No, there never was. Than Bob Armstrong. And just a comedic take on his role as commissioner. Right. Bob Armstrong is the commissioner of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Dressed like a high school counselor. Right. There's <laughs> a short sleeve shirt with a tie. Yeah, <laughs> and, and way too, way too, way too tucked into his pants. Right. Like one of the coolest things is like when he's getting into the gym, and Jim's like, "You're the commissioner, and you're wearing the tie." And he's like, "This tie's a clip-on, boy," and like right. basically like rips it off. Like, right. yeah, I'll need that. Boom, here you go. And, yeah, I mean, Foley was a great commissioner. Don't get me wrong, but that was like super comedic and just, mm-hmm. you right. know, oh, I'm the commissioner. I'm going to do this. Like, like, Bob could be funny, but he could also be serious. Right. And you'd bought the guy as a guy that could also fucking defend himself. And yeah, right. he, wore the, exactly. he, he wore the, he wore the short sleeve shirt and the tie and everything like that, but he did it on purpose. Cause it still made yeah. him look like a fucking man. Right. Like he wore a shirt that was a couple sizes too small because it fucking accentuated the fact that yeah, I'm the commissioner. He was still ripped, <laughs> but you ain't going to fucking bully me around. Cause I'm a right. badass, you know, this was a great battle from underneath match for, uh, Brian Lee, I keep putting him over because I really, as I'm watching this pay-per-view, I was putting him over. I, I think he did a great job on this he night. Did. He and did. Orndorf, Orndorf was the right guy to end it with because he was the biggest name on the show, if that makes right. sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, the only problem I have is I was, I wrote down DQ finish. No! Right, you I don't can't like, give a title I don't, on a DQ. I don't, I don't like that he won the title on a DQ. Right. Right, it's it's bad. Uh, it could have. I mean, uh, here is where he could have gotten a roll up on Orndorff or 
Armstrong could have maybe distracted Orno because there was so much going on on the outside with Tony Anthony and Orn and and Armstrong and there was like forty people outside, so mm-hmm. they could have done something to let Brian Lee pin Paul Orno. But I guess they figured if we have to go back to a rematch, at least that'll give Paul something to say. Well, you never actually pinned me. And you also you, you know? almost said Porndorf there. I did. I did. I did. I <laughs> did. That's the name of the show for this week. Porndorf. Porndorf. <laughs> I will. Porndorf. Porndorf plays golf. <laughs> that. That is a new silly gimmick. Porndorf. Porndorf. When Val Venus needed a partner, he called in Porndorf. Porndorf. <laughs> Now I will Mr. Mr. Bounderful (laughs) I will on a serious note um, something I found troubling in all of Orndorff's matches in this night he didn't break when the referee was counting when they were in the ropes and that referee counted to five like eight times (laughs) you know what I mean like one Mm -hmm. two Three, four. Come on, Paul. You got to break out of it. Paul's still beating up the guy in the corner. He's beating on yeah. uh, Robert's knee in the corner. And then one, two. And I'm like, you didn't break them up. You didn't stop anything. Now, in the referee's defense, he refereed every goddamn match on this he show. Did. So God he bless Brian Hildebrand. God bless tired. Brian Hildebrand and God rest his soul. Um, but yeah, the dirty white boy comes out and attacks afterwards. Um, and then we get some Paul Orndorf or Porndorf. And Brian Lee promos here. One of the things that I wrote about the Brian Lee promo, was I liked he, it. I, I did too. But he had he had one of those um, one of those slip ups, I guess that you would say mm-hmm. when somebody's doing a promo. It's not a criticism. It's just funny. It's, right. I'm not I'm not shitting on him. But instead of saying pay the piper, he said you're going to have to pay the fiddler. Fiddler, and I, 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 I my eyebrow went up. Like, yeah, I was like, that pay the fiddler. I was like, is that a southern expression? And I'm not aware of it. I think he just fucked up. Yeah, I frankly. do too. But he showed so much fire. And when he said things, what at the ending of it was, a, and when I'm done with you, Tony Anthony, your your whole body's going to look like my forehead. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can believe this. You know. So overall, what did we think of the show, guys? I would give it a solid four. Four out of five. Um, I liked it. I didn't really give it a rating. I just that I thought it was good, fun, southern wrestling. Yeah. And um a good start to Smoky Mountain. Definitely. Yeah, and I really hope that um since Peacock murdered the network <laughs> that we're gonna have to I shouldn't say force ourselves. We're going to have to, you know, branch out and get onto more things. And I think that a Smoky Mountain type show would be fun. For a WrestleNet radio? Yeah. Nice cheap pop name. Archie. Wink, wink. Maybe I have no problem. I have no problem with that. Say no more. Say no more. I have no, no problem with that. I love, I, like I told you guys, I love Tony Anthony, and I like everything about Jim Cornette. I after I got done watching Smoky Mountain last night, I watched like forty Jim Cornette shoot interviews from four in the morning, and he tells it. 
<laughs> when I say this, I don't mean it as a dig. I know they're not stories as in he's making them up. But when you hear Jim Cornette speak and tell a story about the old days and how money was made and how things was done, you can't help but go, well, then why did he stay there? You know what I mean? Like, you, you hear him say how much he hated Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon didn't listen to his ideas, but then when he would, he would butcher them. You know, or when they remade the Midnight Express with Bob Holly and Bart Gunn, and how upset he was about it, but he did it just because it was trying to help out Bart Gunn and Bob Holly. So I I love everything about Jim Cornette. So I'll gladly do it, Smoky Mountain. Me too. And you know what? <coughs> I I love Jim Cornette and Jim Cornette and I have a very, very common trait. We both hate that. No yes. good lousy Kenny Omega. <laughs> but oh, anyway. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Vince Russo. No, Kenny Omega. I remember, I remember back uh, when when I first started seeing Omega and some of his bullshit, and I was like, "God, this guy's fucking awful." And that was before I even discovered the Jim Cornette experience. Right. I was like, "God, this guy's God. He's so bad. I I don't know why people like him so much. He's so he's garbage, and he's." And then I listened to Cornette emaciate him, emaciate right. him right. on his show, and I was like, "Oh." What does okay. he call him? Twinkles McFinger Bang or something? He like calls that? him Twinkle Toes McFinger Bang. Bang yes. yes. <laughs> I, Nate, I have to tell you something. I I would I, I'm still Emma Kenny Omega fan, but I'm not as big as I used to be. Well, like you and I have had debates about this. Mm-hmm. When I used to watch Kenny in <coughs> New Japan, or if he <coughs> made the Ring of Honor, you know, a couple of Ring of Honor tapings, right? Because it was in small doses, I really enjoyed Kenny's work. Well, that and 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 I'm not, I'm not trying to cut you off. No, no, no. But but in Japan, I mean, let's be honest. Okada carried him. To, no, you're you're right. You know. Okada was a was a workhorse for him in those matches. But watching him weekly, and I hate Don Callis. He gets me very angry when I hear him speak. But watching Kenny weekly, and he's is, apparently a sexually harassing prick. But anyway, right, right. Um, that's why I hate hearing him speak. But see, Kenny cannot cut a promo over the last couple of months. Oh, I don't know if he ever could, but over the last couple of months. And his just whole body of work seems like he's phoning it in now. But maybe that's because he doesn't have somebody to carry him to a good match. That's it. You know? You know I mean, so. I, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying, but I, I, think no. that, uh, I think that as they use him as the top guy. Right. There are going to be more and more people. <laughs> like, I'd rather Cody be in the top spot over Omega right now. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything bad about Cody, but at least you could understand it being Cody. Well, and, and Cody, Cody's a good worker and he's a good right. wrestler. Right. Yeah, he, Cody and Brandy are totally full of themselves. Right. Absolutely. Here's our reality show. Right. Here's our this. Here's our that. They're they're obnoxiously full of themselves. But, but Cody Cody is at least a, a really really good professional wrestler. Right. And he got a promo. You know. Yes. And he and he's Dusty's son. So if he won the company world title, so did Dusty when he was booking the WCW NWA. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it runs in the family. <laughs> but it's just like I think they gave Kenny way too much. And not enough around him to keep people from looking directly at him. The best thing to give him is a pink slip. Well, I'm not saying that, but I am. I know you are. 
All right, guys, any parting words for our listeners as we sign off this week on the Smoky Mountain edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast? Uh, If you don't get Peacock free with your cable like I do, uh, don't subscribe to it just yet till they work out all the kinks and we find out how much they're actually taking down. Because we, you may not get what you think you're paying for. <laughs> yeah, and I would agree with that with the WWE process of it. But Peacock is itself. There's a lot of <laughs> shit on there that I enjoy. Like I had Peacock before the WWE thing. Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, me too. I, li- I like Peacock as a service. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. It's fine. I don't want to knock it as a service. No, but if you're but, only getting it for the WWE Network, then wait yeah, and just see if don't. they're gonna, you know. Because let's face it, if they take down the whole attitude era, then what do you, you you know, that's what people had WWE Network for. Unless you're unless you're a modern fan. I mean a modern fan probably it would be worth it for them to get the pay per views. Ratings you know? would, would suggest otherwise, Nate. There aren't many modern God. fans left. Because yeah. <laughs> goddamn, I can get on Peacock and watch me some modern family and that fucking shit's right. fantastic. Right. <laughs> My Great wife has been watching the new Punky Brewster and going back and watching the old one. And the old one makes me feel old, but then the new one makes me feel even older. <laughs> it's like, damn, she's, she's still around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us this week on another edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And um, again, like I said, stay tuned. WrestleMania weekend we will be launching WrestleNet Radio. We are trying to change the game here with the We Can't, we Can't Wrestle podcast, and we're going to. And I'm very excited, and uh, you're going to hear me pummel it into your heads until we get there because it is a big deal, and I think it's going to be a great thing. But thank you for joining us on this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and we will see you next time around, everybody. Have a great week. Good night, everybody.